Ensa Packet Tracer 2.7.1. In this episode, we're going to look at how to configure single area OSPF version 2. I'll show you how to do it, and we'll talk about the concepts along the way. What we're doing is we're helping a network engineer test an OSPF setup by building the network where we work. We have interconnected the devices and configured the interfaces and have connectivity within the local LANs. Our job is to complete the OSPF configuration according to the requirements left by the engineer. This information will be provided for us. We have a list of requirements to configure to our test network. When we have successfully completed all of these requirements, all hosts should be able to ping the internet server. We'll be discussing implementing single area OSPF version 2 in both point-to-point -point and broadcast multi-access networks. Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the Kev Techify Nation, and if you're new here, welcome. This episode is part of my series on configuration examples for the CCNA. I'm Kevin here at Kev Techify. Let's get this adventure started. Tracer Lab 2.7.1 Single Area OSPF Version 2 Configuration. Here I got my Packet Tracer Lab open. On the left side, I have the topology, our work area. We'll go in and configure all of our devices. On the right side, I have the instructions. I'm using the Packet Tracer Activity window that opens up with Packet Tracer when you open up that Packet Tracer file. Looking at our topology, you can see we have multiple areas on our networks. We have multiple networks. We have a lot of devices. We have four routers that we're responsible for. Actually, we have six routers. We have six switches. We have several end de devices on there we're responsible for. But here's our addressing table. It lists all of our devices, the interfaces, and what addresses and prefix or subnets that should go with them. Down here, our background is, is we're helping a network engineer set up a network. Uh, he had to leave. We have to finish it according to what he has given us. The requirements are listed at the end here. So our instructions are configure the network to meet the requirements. Pretty simple. And then here are the requirements. Use process ID 10 for OSPF activation on all routers. So anything we... Time we go into OSPF, make sure we are using the process ID of 10. First requirement, activate OSPF using network statements and inverse masks on the routers in the headquarters network. Whew. Activate OSPF using network statements. So we need to go into the routing protocol, put in our network statements and wildcard masks on all routers in the headquarters network. Right here is our headquarters network. These are our three routers that are in the headquarters network, P2P1, P2P2, P2P3. We need to go ahead and enter in the network statements for the networks that are directly connected to each one of these routers. P2P has three networks connected, or sorry, P2P1 has Three networks connected to it. P2P2 down here has four networks and then P2P3 has three networks connected to it. So we have to have that many network statements on each one of those in our router configuration. I want went ahead and clicked on the P2P1. Opens up the window for configuration. I make that a little bit bigger going right to left making sure I'm on the CLI tab. I hit enter. No passwords are set. That's a good thing. So we can easily enter in. Go ahead and type enable. Gets us into privilege exec mode. Now we have to activate OSPF. Basically we have to go in there and say, okay, router OSPF. And then our process ID is 10. That'll activate it. And then we have to use network statements to identify what networks are directly connected to me by putting in the network address, the wildcard mask, and then we have to specify our area. Our area here is OSPF area zero. 
Okay, we need to do this from global configuration mode. So go ahead and type in config T. Brings us to global configuration mode. I'm gonna scroll up here, look at my table. I have three networks that are connected here. I have the 10.0.0.1 IP address, 10.0.0.9 IP address, and the 10.0.0.13. Each of these are a slash 30 address. So that means there's two bits left over for the host portion. That gives us on a slash 30, that's 32, or sorry, 31s followed by two zeros. The inverse of that would be 30 zeros followed by two ones all the way on the right side. Those are in the columns of values of one and two. So that gives us a 0.0.0.3 for our wildcard mask. And then we just need the network IP addresses. Because this is a slash 30, it only has four IP addresses. So a network address starts every four. So that'd be dot zero at the end, dot four, dot eight, dot twelve. Our first network here is ten dot ten dot ten dot zero, and then the wildcard mask would be zero dot zero dot zero dot zero, and then area zero. Okay, let's go ahead and start this off. First thing we have to do is get into our OSPF configuration. We do that by typing in router. OSPF, and then our process ID of 10. See our prompt has changed. We are now configuring a routing protocol. We put in our network. We start off with the word network. Then the network address of that first network, we said it was 10.0.0.0. We follow that with the wildcard mask, the slash 30. The wildcard based off that subnet mask is a 0.0.0.3. So we have 0.0.0.3. And then we specify what area it is. All of our devices, we're doing a single area OSPF. We are in area zero. So area, space, and then the number zero. Got to do the second network. Here's the IP address. The network address is the dot eight of that. We can go ahead and type in network. 10.0.0.8, our wildcard mask is 0.0.0.3, and then we are part of OSPF area zero. Enter in our third network, and that would be 10.0.0. The IP address is 13, and once again, it starts on every four. So 0, 4, 8, 12, the network address would be a .12. So 10.0.0.12, and then our wildcard mask, once again, of 0.0.0.3. And we are part of OSPF area zero. So we type in area zero. And those are the three networks that are connected to me. We are done on P2P1. I'm going to minimize that window. We can go to P2P2. Bring that window, make it wider going left and right. Click on, make sure we're on the CLI tab, hit enter, type enable to get into privilege exec mode, config T to get into global configuration mode. Then we need to go in and work on our routing protocol of OSPF. To do that, it's router OSPF, and then we're using the process ID of 10 for all of our devices. Now we can go and enter in our network statements. Here in our addressing table, we can see we have four addresses assigned to us. First one, 10.0.0.2 with a slash 30. Once again, remembering it starts on every four, so the network address here is dot zero. Let's go ahead and enter that one in. Network, 10.0.0.0. We have the wildcard for slash 30 is the... 0.0.0.3 again, so 0.0.0.3, and we are all part of area zero. First network is in. Second network is this IP address, 10.0.0.5. Network address, once again, it starts on every four, so 04. Network address is dot four for this. I got a system update saying, okay, we now have a new adjacency because we've added this in. We've started up OSPF. We've added in a network. We now have this adjacency. 
our network, our second network is network 10.0.0.4. Wildcard mask, once again, is 0.0.0.3. And we are all part of area zero. On to the third network. Third network here is connected to G000. Has an IP address of 192.168.1.1 with a slash 24. Slash 24 ends right on one of those octets. So the subnet mask is 255.255.255.0. Get the wild card. We inverse all the ones and zeros. So 255s turn into zeros and zeros turn into 255. Subnet mask was 255.255.255.0. Wildcard is 0.0.0.255. Go ahead and enter in that network statement. So network statement, we start off with network. Then the network address for this one, it's the first three octets followed by zero. So 192.168.1.0. 192.168.1.0. Wildcard mask, once again, what we came up with was 0.0.0.255. All part of OSPF area zero. So we just type in area zero. Now I got an error. Once again, the Cisco IOS. No news is good news to Cisco. If you type in something right, it's not going to say anything. It's not going to say, hey, congratulations. If you type in something wrong, the Cisco IOS will definitely tell you. And that's what happened. It said, I have invalid input detected. It gave me a little up arrow saying, I have an error right here. If we look there, we can see instead of typing in 192 for the first octet of my IP address, I actually typed in 1,922. I need to go and fix that. So what I do is I hit the up arrow once, I left arrow over, move the cursor over, delete one of the twos and hit enter. That takes care of my third network and my fourth network. On P2P2 is 192.168.2.0 with a wildcard mask, once again, a 000255. Go ahead and enter that in. Network 192.168.2.0. Wildcard mask is 0.0.0.255. And we are all part of area zero. That takes care of all of our network statements for P2P2. I'm going to go ahead and minimize P2P2 and open up P2P3. Slide the window over, make it bigger going left to right. Make sure I'm on my CLI tab. Hit enter. Click in the window and now hit enter. Type enable. Type config T. First thing we need to do is activate OSPF and go into the configuration of it. We do that by typing in router OSPF and then our process ID. Process ID for all of our devices is 10. Now we can enter in our network statements. On P2P3, we have three networks. We have a couple of the slash 30 networks again, and then we have one slash 28 network. Okay, we're gonna go ahead, we're gonna start entering in our network statements. So for the first network, 10.0.0.6 is the IP address, remembering it starts on 048, and you always go to the lower number, this would be 10.0.0.4 slash 30 for a wildcard mask, once again with 000.3. Go ahead and enter in our new statement now, it's network. One, oh, sorry, network 10.0.0.4, and then our wildcard mask is 0.0.0.3. And then we say what area, we are all part of that single area OSPF with area zero. Once we activate it, we actually look and see, we now have adjacency starting because we have OSPF set up and we actually configured our first network on there. We can go on to our second network statement. That is for this IP address. That network address is 10.0.0. The IP address ends in 10. So 048.12. You take the one that's right above the network. So or 
you take your IP address and then go down to that address. So this would be 10.0.0.8 for our network address. Command is net. Okay, we got spelled network correctly. I'm just having a bad time. So starting over, our command is network. Then our network address at 10.0.0.8, our wildcard mask, once again, we are on a slash 30, is 0.0.0.3, and we're all part of area zero. The last network on P2P3 is this 192.168.3.0 with a slash 28. Slash 28 is our subnet mask, that's 28 ones followed by four zeros, Wildcard, we inverse that. So now we have 28 zeros followed by four ones at the end. The four ones, the values of those commons, columns is one, two, four, eight. Add that up, eight plus four plus two plus one. That gives you six, or sorry, 15. So our wildcard mask is 0 our network statement here is network space 192.168.3.0 and our wildcard mask is 0.0.0.15 and then we are all part of area zero. You can see when we put our second network statement in there, we now formed another adjacency. I'm going to go ahead and minimize P2P3. And the, we did the three routers and headquarters where we had to specify our networks in our OSPF configurations. We can go on to the next requirement. Next requirement is activate OSPF by configuring the interfaces of the network devices in the data services network where required. This is the data services network. We have three devices in our data services network, BC1, BC2, and BC3. We need to configure the interfaces. What we have to do is go into each interface on the device that we're going to be sharing routing information with and then say what OSPF process and area does it belong to. This is my preferred method. That way you don't have to know network addresses and wildcard mask. You can just go into the interface and say, hey, look, you are going to be part of our OSPF with a process ID of 10 and you are, will belong to area zero. You can go ahead and put that information in there without knowing that network address and wildcard mask. Okay, let's go ahead and start on BC1. On BC1, if we look here, we are going to share routing information on OSPF going out to the left here. Going out to the left, if I click in this window, mouse over this triangle, so serial 010. We're going to share information going down to the local area network. That would be gig 000. But we're not going to share information going to the ISP. Typically, that's where our default route is going to point to the ISP. We don't want to know all the routes from the ISP. We just want to know about all the routes on the devices we can control. And so we are only going to use these two interfaces, serial 010 and gig 000. Go ahead and configure those. Make my window a little bit bigger. Hit enter. We're in user exec mode. Type in enable to take us to privilege exec mode. And then global configuration mode, config T. From here, we enter into each interface. So we'll go into the first interface. Interface gig 0 slash 0 slash 0. Once we're in there, now we can go ahead and say, okay, you're going to be part of the OSPF that we're running and you're going to belong to area zero. Once again, OSPF routing is part of the IP suite. So we start off with IP space and then we're dealing with OSPF. So the next word is OSPF. Then we have to say what process ID and we're going to use process ID 10 for everything we're doing. So OSP or IP OSPF 10, and now we say what area do we belong to? We belong to area zero. All of our devices for our 
single area OSPF are going to belong to area zero. That's all we have to do. No network addresses, no wildcard mask. That's all we have to do. Go ahead and enter. That configures that interface. Last interface or next interface we have to do on BC1 is that serial 010. We can go ahead and change right into that, typing interface space serial 010. And then it's the same command again. It's part of the IP suite. We're dealing with OSPF, process ID of 10, and we are all in area zero. And that's all we have to do. And notice we are now having adjacencies um, form. We have an adjacency form. Our neighbor is 10.0.0.13. That is on this network here. So we've have formed an adjacency to the headquarters network. That's all we have to configure on BC1. Let's go ahead and go on to BC2. BC2. Make that window a little bit bigger. We can look at our addressing table. In our addressing table, we have the two interfaces, gig 000 and gig 001. Go into those interfaces and tell them they will be part of our OSPF area 10. Okay, so I'm in the BC2 window. Hit enter. Type enable to get into privilege exec mode. Type config T to get into global configuration mode. Now we go into the interface. So we go into interface gig 000. And then this is where we say you're going to be part of OSPF. And that command once again is IP space OSPF. Process ID of 10, and we belong to area zero. That's it. Once again, no network, no wildcard mask. That's why I like this method. Now we just go ahead and do the second interface. We can go ahead and type in interface gig zero slash zero slash one. And then we just say you're going to be part of OSPF with a process ID of 10 and area zero again. So IP space OSPF. Process ID of 10, area 0. Once again, we are done with BC2. Let's go ahead and do BC3 right away. Clicked on BC3. Slide it over. Enter, enable, config T. If I look at my addressing table, once again, we're using gig 00 and gig 01. Apology, that's all within our network. That's what we're controlling. So we're just going to go ahead and activate OSPF on those interfaces with area zero. We can go into the interface, interface gig zero slash zero slash zero, and then IP space OSPF process ID of 10, area zero. And then the second interface of interface gig zero slash zero slash one. And IP OSPF 10 area zero. That's all the configuration we have to do for OSPF when we go into the interfaces. That takes care of our second requirement. And notice we now have adjacencies that are forming. We did BC2, we we're on BC3, and now we've formed two adjacencies. One adjacency is to the 64.0.0. 100.2 router that's an ip address up here on bc1 and then we formed an adjacency with 192.168.4.1 that would be down here on this network or sorry that'd be down here on this device bc2 we have now got two adjacencies there's three devices meaning we have ourselves two other routers two other routers means we have two other adjacencies that takes care of the second requirement Onto the third requirement. Configure router IDs on the multi-access routers as follows. I want to minimize BC3 here. The multi-access routers are the ones where they, there can be more than one router connected up to that network. Notice we have the switch in the middle here, and then we have three routers connected in. Those can all be on the same network. And so there's multiple access and we have to go through the process of the election and we're going to use the router IDs over here in headquarters. We don't, they're not multi-access. They're point to point because this is a WAN connection. It's a serial connection. 
It's a point-to-point -point connection. There can only be two connections. And we don't have to go through that election process. Over here on the data services network, that's the multi-access. Yes, we have three routers, but we could get up to five, 10 routers. And with that many routers, you don't want all those link state advertisements going across your network. You, you want to go through that election process to give us a designated router and our backup designated router. To force that election, to rig it, to know who's going to win, you can go ahead and set the router IDs, and that's what we're doing. So BC1 is getting a router ID of 6.6.6.6. I'm going to go ahead and click on BC1. Do that command. You need to be in global configuration. Or Sorry, you need to be in the router configuration mode. I'm currently in the interface configuration mode, so I'm going to go ahead and type exit once. Pulls me back to global configuration mode. Then I have to go into our routing configuration. And that, once again, is router. We're dealing with the OSPF protocol and then the process ID of 10. Now we can go ahead and specify what our router ID is. To do that, very simply, you type in router dash ID and then what ID you want to give it. And it's in the form of an IP version 4 address. It's not an IP version 4 address, it's just in the form of. And we're going to give it all sixes. And so our router ID is 6.6.6.6. Takes care of BC1. Let's go ahead and do BC2. BC2, once again, I have to exit out. Then we have to go into router, OSPF, process ID of 10. Now we can specify our router dash ID, and we are setting that as quad five. So 5.5.5.5. Takes care of BC2 with the router ID. Let's go to BC3. BC3. And notice we are starting to get some adjacencies with the new router IDs that we're putting in there. So they are noticing that we are changing the router IDs in the priority. Let's go ahead and change that router ID on BC3, type in exit once, then router OSPF 10 for process ID 10. And now we can say router dash ID and we are setting it to quad four. So 4.4.4.4. BC3 is now configured. That takes care of that requirement. On to the next requirement. Configure OSPF so that routing updates are not sent into networks where they are not required. Okay, I'm gonna minimize this. We're gonna look at our diagrams. Up here on P2P1, I'm sorry. If we look at P2P1, we have three connections. Those three connections go to three routers that are running OSPF. And so we want to make sure updates go out all of them. We don't want to stop any updates from going out there. But then when we go down to P2P2, we have four connections. Two of those connections go to routers, which happen to be OSPF enabled routers. So we want to make sure the updates go out there. But then the other two routers, they go down to these local area networks down here. On those local area networks, there are no OSPF enabled devices. So we don't have to send updates out those interfaces. We don't have to send updates out those interfaces. On P2P2 right here, that means that, and I clicked in this window here, I'm mousing over here. On serial 010, we leave it alone. Mousing over to triangle on serial 011, we leave that alone, but then on these other two, mousing over this triangle on gig 000 and gig 001, we stop those updates. And how we stop those updates is we turn those interfaces or we tell OSPF that those interfaces are passive interfaces. They do not need OSPF updates sent out there. Don't do it. So P2P1 doesn't have any. P2P2 has a couple of them. It's the gig ports on P2P2. So let's go ahead and go into P2P2. Enter. Type in enable. Brings us to privilege exec mode. Config T. Global configuration mode. And then this is part of the OSPF configuration. And so we type in 
router OSPF, process ID of 10. And now we say, okay, passive interfaces are these interfaces. So we start off with passive dash interface. And then we say, what interfaces? And that was gig 000 and gig 001. So the first one we'll put in there is G0 slash 0 slash 0. And then the other interface was passive dash interface. And that was G0 slash 0 slash 1. Those two interfaces were passive. Looking at our topology. We have on P2P3, we have two connections that go to the OSPF enabled routers, but one goes down to this local area network. If I mouse over it, it's our gig 000 interface. So we want to make that a passive interface. Let me go ahead and click on P2P3, log into that, enable, config T. And once again, it's part of the OSPF routing. So it's router. OSPF and then process ID of 10. And then we say passive dash interface. And that, whoops, incomplete command. Notice once again, I forgot to type in my interface. Cisco yelled at me. So I can go ahead and retype it in again. Or what I can do is hit the up arrow, repeats that. I put my space and now I can put my gig 000 interface in there. So G0 slash 0 slash 0. That's that interface to passive. I'm going to minimize P2P3. Now looking at BC1, BC1 right here, passive interfaces. This serial connection going to the left is going to P2P1 to an OSPF enabled router. So we wanna make sure to do nothing to that to let the OSPF messages go through. I hope you're liking this episode on practical configuration examples. Leave a comment on what you think about these configuration examples. If you still have a question or comment, please let me know below. You can also visit my website at kevtechify.com for all of my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form. If we look at the network going down from BC1, it looks like it's that straight through copper ethernet where on the headquarters, those were passive interfaces, but here that goes into a switch that then leads to a couple of OSPF enabled routers. And so we have to make sure that we leave it alone to let the OSPF messages go down there. But then we have this third connection that's a WAN connection to the ISP. We are not running OSPF with our ISP. We, we don't want to send updates. We don't want to learn about all the routes they know. So we don't want to send our updates out that interface. We want to make this a passive interface. Once again, I click in this window. I mouse over the triangle. And that tells me that this is serial 011. I want to make serial 011 on BC1 a passive interface. Let's go ahead and open up BC1 here. I'm in the router configuration mode. Now we could look back here and say, okay, yep, you are in router OSPF configuration. Or if you really want to make sure you're in the right space, what I like to do is I like to type in exit, brings me back to global configuration mode. Then I can go into my OSPF process from here. And once again, that's router OSPF and then a process ID of 10. That way I just make sure I'm in the right spot. Once again, we are looking at turning interface serial 011 into a passive interface. To do that, we type in passive dash interface, and then tell it what interface, and that was serial 0 slash 1 slash 1. That's the only one on BC1. Now let's go ahead and look at BC2. BC2 is right here. It has two copper connections. But this one going up to the switch that connects to the other OSPF routers, we want to leave alone and do nothing with, but the one that goes down to the local area network here where PC2 is, we want to stop all OSPF updates from going here. So this one here, I click in the window, I mouse over the triangle, the gig 000 interface, that interface I want to turn into a passive interface. So let's go ahead and do that. I'm in here, once again, 
I can look and see that I'm probably in the right spot, but I like to just type out exit once. And now I can go into the router process of OSPF here and we can configure our passive interface. Passive dash interface. And once again, that interface here on BC2 was gig zero, zero, zero. So gig zero slash zero slash zero. And let's go ahead and minimize BC2 and BC3. Right here is BC3. Got two connections, one going to the other OSPF enabled router, so we don't want to do anything there. But the one going down to PC3, we want to make into our passive interface. I clicked in the window, mouse over to triangle. That's telling me it's gig 000. So let's go ahead and turn that into a passive interface. I type exit router OSPF 10. I could have stayed where I was, but I just like to make sure. And then we're dealing with the passive interface here of gig zero slash zero slash zero. And we have turned those interfaces into a passive interface. That completes another requirement that completed this requirement right here onto the next one. Next requirement, configure router BC1 with the highest OSPF interface priority so that it will always be the designated router of the multi-access network. So give it the highest possible priority. That way you're rigging the election that BC1 here will always be the designated router. Well, to do that, let's go into BC1. We do that on the interface itself. We, we set the OSPF priority on the interface. Now, the interface we're going to use here, when we look at this, is this interface right here, the gig 000. So on this election that happens in this multi-axis network right here, once again, this is the multi-axis network. The election happens here. We're going to say BC1 is always going to have the highest priority. And that's on this interface. If we mouse over it, it'll say gig 000. So we're going to make gig 000 the highest priority. So I am in router OSPF routing protocol configuration. I type exit once. I'm in global configuration. Now I can go into that interface. That interface, once again, was g zero slash zero slash zero so now i'm in that interface and now we can go ahead and set the priority once again we're dealing with the ip suite so it's ip then we're dealing with the ospf routing protocol so the next word is ospf and then we're setting priorities and so it's priority yeah spell priority right and then the highest priority possible. If you don't remember what it is, you can put a space and a question mark and it'll give you the range of zero to 255. The higher the number, the better you chance you are going to win that election. 255 is the highest number. When it sees that, it'll go through the election process and BC1 will be there. So we want the highest number. So we'll go ahead and put 255 in there. In our requirements, that takes care of this one. So we can go on to the next one. The next one reads, configure a default route to the ISP cloud using the exit interface command argument. Configure a default route to the ISP cloud using the exit interface. So we got to set up a static route that points all traffic. So we're going to use quad zeros out the interface that points to the cloud. I'm gonna go ahead and minimize BC1 here, but we're talking about BC1 because they're the one directly connected. So that's on BC1 is where we're going to set up that default route. It's, it's a static route, but it's a special static route that's gonna take anything that made it through all looking at all the routing entries. If there is no match for these routing entries, we're just gonna push it out the interface that we're gonna specify. So let's go into BC1. And this static route is in global configure or yeah, global configuration mode. So we have to type exit once and now it's a static route. So we start off by, but it's a specialized static route. So we start off by using IP route and then we say 
our quad zeros. For the network network address, we put in all zeros. For the subnet mask, we put in quad zeros. What that says is we don't care what it is. We're just going to take and go with it. And then we're going to use the exit interface. If I click in this window here, our topology, mouse over this triangle that's connected to the WAN that's going to the ISP, I can see that it's serial 011. And so that is our exit interface. Space serial 0 slash 1 slash 1. That sets the default route to go out that exit interface. We get a warning about not having a default gateway, but that is okay. That takes care of that requirement. On to the next one. We are on the fourth from the end. Automatically distribute the default route to all routers in the network. So we're going to use OSPF to propagate that default route across the network saying any one of you routers that are in my OSPF area, area of zero, if you don't know what to do, if you have a packet that doesn't match any of your routing statements, push it towards me and then I will deliver it to the internet. And so we're going to go ahead and set that up. Now we have, that's part of the OSPF routing protocol. So we have to go into the OSPF routing protocol configuration. Once again, that is router space OSPF and then the process ID of 10. And then it's default information because that's default information. We're just gonna default saying, okay, BC1 has that connection to the internet, get the data there, BC1 will handle it. And so it's default, I spell default right, dash information. And then we're gonna say originate. And that's where we're going to originate with the default route. So originate. Okay, takes care of that requirement. On to the third to the last requirement. Configure the OSPF routers so that the gigabit ethernet interface cost will be 10 and the fast ethernet cost will be 100. Now what we have to do is go in and modify that reference bandwidth. Because for the reference bandwidth, if we take the default value, gigabit ethernet, fast ethernet, and 10 gig will all have a value of one. And we don't want that. And to, to give those different connection types, gig ethernet, fast ethernet, values other than one, what we have to do is go in there and modify that reference bandwidth. And what we're gonna do to get values of gigabit ethernet of 10 and e fast ethernet of 100 is we're gonna modify that reference bandwidth to 1,000. We're gonna go ahead and change that to a thousand. To do that, we have to go to every one of our devices, go into the OSPF routing configuration and change that reference bandwidth. Let's go ahead and start with P2P1. Enable config T, gets us in the global configuration mode. And then it it's in the router OSPF configuration. So we go in router OSPF 10. Once we're in there, that's where we can go ahead and set that. We're gonna set the auto cost, auto dask cost, space, and then reference bandwidth to a thousand. And that 1000 will give us the values for Gig Ethernet will be 10 and fast Ethernet will be 100. We get the message saying reference bandwidth has changed. Please ensure reference bandwidth is consistent across all routers. And so we have to go into each router and do that. We did PCP1, minimize that. Let's go into PCP2. Log in, enable config T, router OSPF 10, and then once again, the command is auto-cost and then reference-bandwidth 
of a thousand. P2P2 is done. Let's go to P2P3. Go ahead and do that. Login, enable, config T, router OSPF 10, and then it auto cost. I'm trying to do tab completion. Oh, I didn't go, I typed router OSPF. And a lot of times we'll get in the habit. Once you start knowing what you're doing and getting the feel for it, I went up here, I typed in router OSPF 10, and I knew the next one was auto cost, but I typed router wrong. Instead of typing router, instead of putting the first letter as an R, I put it as a T. So I need to go back there and redo that command because that's where it is, and then work through everything I was trying to do. What I'm going to do is up arrow once, left arrow over, change that T to an R. Now, I... Still didn't spell router right. Now I spelt router right. Now I can go in and put that auto cost reference bandwidth of a thousand in there. So auto cost reference bandwidth of a thousand. And I'm using tab completion in there so I don't have to type in auto cost reference bandwidth all the time. So auto dash cost reference dash bandwidth of a thousand. That takes care of P2P3. I'm going to go ahead and minimize the window. All we have to do left is the routers in our data services network. Here on BC1, go ahead and click on that. I need to be go back to global configuration mode just to make sure I'm in the right spot. Router OSPF, the process ID of 10. And then we can go in, and all I'm doing is AUT hitting tab completion, auto completes auto cost, and then REF for reference. I hit tab, it auto completes that, and the value of a thousand. Take care of BC1. Let's go ahead and do BC2. BC2, same thing here. We need to log in, config T, router OSPF 10. And then AUTO, tab completion, REF, tab completion, value of 1,000. Auto cost reference bandwidth to 1,000. And let's go ahead and do our last router, BC3. Log in, enable, config T, auto tab. Oh, sorry, we have to go into the... Uh, the OSPF configuration, so it's router OSPF 10. Now it's auto tab ref tab 1000. That's that. We have now set the reference bandwidth to 1000 across all of our OSPF enabled devices. That'll allow us to differentiate the speeds of our gig ethernet and our fast ethernet when it goes and it calculates the cost. Takes care of that requirement. On to the second to the last requirement. Second to the last requirement is configure the OSPF cost value of the P2P1 interface serial 0111 to 50. What we want to do is on P2P1 serial 011, and I clicked in the window, I'm going to mouse over. Serial 011, what we're looking for, is this connection that goes from P2P1 to P2P3. We want to increase the costs there. Now, for some reason, we don't want traffic to go across this network. We want to force it to use the other path in our redundant network triangle here. We want to give it a high cost. Now, we don't want to necessarily get rid of the path. We just want to force traffic to use the other path. One possible scenario is these are WAN connections and you buy them from an internet service provider. This left one here could be one you pay a monthly fee and you can send as much data across that as you want. Where the right one is sort of your backup one, it's the emergency one, and there you pay for every megabyte you send across that. And so you wanna minimize the traffic going across that and how we can do that in OSPF is increase the cost. And so that's what we're gonna do, is increase the cost of this network in OSPF by specifying that cost right here on this serial, on serial 
011 on serial 011. Okay, let's go ahead and go into P2P1. I am in uh, router OSPF configuration yet, so I go ahead and type in exit. We want to go into that interface. Once again, that was interface serial 0 slash 1 slash 1. And now this is where we want to set that priority. Here, it's part of the IP suite, we're dealing with OSPF, and then we want to set that cost. And so the keyword here is cost, and we want to raise it to 50, which when we start looking at the other cost of our networks, may be a little bit higher. So IP OSPF cost 50. It sets that at a higher cost. That takes care of that. On to our last requirement. Our last requirement here is to configure the hello and dead interval timers on the interfaces that connect P2P1 and BC1 to be twice the default values. So on this connection, we want to increase the hello timers and dead timers to twice the default values. Now, in OSPF, the default value for the hello timer is 10 seconds. So every 10 seconds, it sends out that hello packet. And so if it's the default every 10 seconds, we need to increase that to 20 seconds. And then the dead interval timer is four times the hello timer. And so if we increase the hello timer to 20 seconds, we have to multiply that 20 times four and increase the dead interval timer to 80 seconds. Let's go ahead and get that done. On P2P1, let's go into that. Now to set those configurations, we actually have to go onto the interfaces themselves. The interface here that connects P2P1 to BC1, I'm gonna go ahead and click in the window, mouse over the screen triangle, and it's serial 020. So I need to go into that interface. So I type in interface space serial 020. Once I'm in here, I can go ahead and set my OSPF hello timers and my OSPF dead interval timers. Because it's in part of the IP suite, we start off with IP, we're dealing with the OSPF protocol specifically, so it's OSPF. Then inside of that, we're going to set the hello dash interval to 20. Once again, remember default was 10, we're gonna double that to 20. So we set the IP OSPF hello dash timer to 20. And then we have to set the dead interval. And that is once we start off with IP OSPF, and now it's dead dash interval. And the dead interval is four times the hello timer. Hello timer is now 20. 20 times four gives us 80, so 80 seconds. We're gonna start getting some errors because the hello timer and dead timer on both sides of that serial connection. So on both sides of this connection right here, they need to match. And once that default, or once that um, dead timer times out, we're gonna get some errors. And that's what happened right here, is we lost our adjacency to the router that has the router ID of 6.6.6, .6 which if you remember, that was BC1. So we lost our adjacency between these. And the reason we lost it is the hello timers and the dead timers don't match exactly. Let's go ahead and change the BC1, hello timers and dead timers. We can also see from here that we did lose the adjacency going back to P2P1. Okay, we have to go into the interface. Let's figure out what interface first. So once again, we are looking at this serial connection between them. I'm gonna click in this window, mouse over this triangle, and it's going to tell me it's serial 010. So that's where we need to specify our hello timer and our dead timers. We need to get into that interface. So I go ahead and type exit from where I'm at. Then it was interface serial 0 slash 1 slash 0. IP OSPF hello dash timer and we are setting uh, to two times the default default was 10 multiply that times two 
is 20. So that's what we are setting our hello timer to is 20. Oh, okay. Once again, Cisco's yelling at me because I typed something wrong here. It's giving me an, a carrot saying, you have a problem right here. Well, I spelled hello-timer correctly, but it's not hello-timer. It's the hello-interval. And so, not hello-timer, but hello-interval. So let's go ahead and change that. I hit up arrow once, left arrow over, delete the word timer, and then type in interval. That changes the timer to 20. And then last thing we have to do is IP, OSPF, change our dead-interval to four times the hello timer or 80. And now when we give it a second, we should see that the adjacency will be coming back to full. As we sit here and wait, wait a little bit longer. And there it is. Our adjacency has come back to this device that has the 10.0.0.13 IP address, which is P2P1, and we are now at a full conversation for OSPF. We now have that back with us. Okay, that is all the requirements, but the last thing it says is, when the task has been successfully completed, all hosts should be able to ping the internet server. So all five of these hosts, PC1, Laptop1, Workgroup server, PC2, PC3 should be able to ping this internet server up here. Let's go ahead and try it. Start with PC1. Slide it over, click on the desktop tab, click on the command prompt app, type in ping, and then we can get our internet server IP address right here, 203.100.113.100. So ping. 203.0.113.100. Hopefully it's got to do an ARP lookup. That's why it's taking so long. We got one failure, but then the second, third, and fourth one has worked. I'm guessing that first one failed because it had to do an ARP lookup. I'm just going to repeat the command to be sure. Up arrow once and hit enter. All four pings are working. So PC1 can ping the internet server. Go ahead and try a laptop one. Click on the desktop tab, click on the command prompt app. Ping 203.0.113.100. And that ping is working successfully. Because we didn't have that much change on our network, PC1 and Lab1 are very close to each other. We didn't have to do an ARP lookup. That's why we didn't have a failure. So laptop one works. Let's try workgroup server. Click on a desktop, open up our command prompt app. Ping 203.0.113.100. And that one pings all four. Right now we are at three out of five working great. Moving on to PC two, desktop tab. Command prompt app, ping 203.0.113.100. Sending four echo requests, getting four echo responses. All four pings worked on PC2. And finally, we got to have PC3 ping our internet server. To do that, we just simply type in ping and then the IP address of our Internet server again, 203.0.113.100. There's our four successful pings. All of our devices have pinged the internet server. That was Packet Tracer Lab 2.7.1 Single Area OSPF Configuration. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on configuration examples. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel. All my socials and contact information are on my website, kevtechify.com. There you can find out how to get all these episodes in video and podcast form. Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on practical configuration examples for the CCNA. 
I've created four wonderful playlists for you on the CCNA. These episodes, I go through all the concepts that Cisco calls out for the CCNA. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.